Welcome back to another episode of Backlash Podcast. I'm Jeff with Team Rhino Outdoors. If you want more information on Team Rhino Outdoors, check out TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. And I have two co-hosts tonight. I got Brad and Carrie Hoppy with Musky Mayhem Tackle. If you want more about Musky Mayhem Tackle, check out MuskyMayhemTackle.com. We will have a guest on, but Brad and I are going to talk a little bit. I should say Brad, Carrie, and I. I'm not used to saying Carrie because she's been on vacation from the podcast anyways for the last, oh, I don't know how long five four months (laughs) three months i don't know it's been a while hey somebody's got to work clearly not me and brad although i'm doing all the work this week i got no wife so i gotta take care of everything you know the kids the businesses this podcast it's good for you it makes you appreciate her more oh i appreciate her trust me (laughs) (laughs) I had to pack all the orders tonight by myself. Well, I shouldn't say by myself. I made my daughters come out and help me out. Carrie, you were on the phone with me briefly. <laughs> how, well did, mm-hmm. how well did that go? <laughs> <laughs> you were giving them, giving them the what for for not grabbing the right baits. Yeah. And then she leaves out of the shop, and we had a conversation about trolling leaders, and she picked regular casting leaders, and then she picked the crankbait wrong. And I'm just like, Alexis, seriously, what are you doing? <laughs> So what happens when you leave a 13-year-old in charge. So if anybody got the wrong baits this week, that's who we're blaming it on. Blaming it on my daughter, because it can't possibly be my <laughs> fault. That's awesome. So it's been a while since we've even talked to Carrie, but Brad, it's been a while since I talked to you too, because, man, I can't remember the last time we actually podcast. We were ahead for a while, so we just put it on cruise control. I did some fishing. It was mostly crappy. And you probably did some fishing too. I did, uh, and the guest tonight was in the boat last weekend with me, so that was kind of cool, so we'll get into that later, but uh, yeah, I've done some fishing, um, kind of coming to an end here, you know, the season's kind of wrapping up um, in most parts of the musky water, but uh, definitely some good stuff. I'd say it was maybe one of the most difficult years, if if. I could say that. I don't know if you would agree with that, Jeff, but it was definitely different than a normal year. Put it that way. Yeah, the thing about it for us is it was, uh, I don't know if difficult is the right word, because quite honestly, like we have more fish on film this year than we did last year by a significant margin. But it, it there was just times where you just thought everything came together, weather, moon, the whole thing, and like you, you just thought the bite should be better, and it wasn't, and then you would... That's what I'm saying. It just—it was just weird. It was. It was a strange year. I'm say I wouldn't say it was bad or good, but it wasn't great. I know that. Every time we wanted to get a bite, we had to fight for it. But we got the job done for the most part. I mean, I'm looking always to try to fill up an entire YouTube summer and into the winter with content, and we were able to do that without having to put, you know, a tips video out every single week. So we have some fishing videos in fact i withheld a bunch of them towards the end so i mean i think we did our saint Clair trip in early part of july might have been right around the fourth or just before the fourth and i still haven't even put that video out yet so we definitely got a lot of cool videos that way coming but yeah it's been a pretty good pretty good you know it was a good decent fishing season i would say i know that sales have finally started to slow down a little bit so we've been able to catch our breath hopefully you guys have been able to do that as well yeah, definitely. I mean, this is the slower time of the year for us always, no doubt about it. But uh, 
it's kind of welcomed at some point, you know. I mean, uh, when you live in a in a shop, <laughs> you know, seven days a week, it gets a little bit strenuous. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. And I know, I know. How do you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do, how do you know, go. Brad? <laughs> there's well, there's somebody here to rebut I'm, you now. Yeah, exactly. I I can't deny that. Um, I got to spend a lot of time on the water this year. Fortunately for me, my wife is uh, definitely there to pick up the loose ends. I greatly appreciate that. Put it that way. That's only because I'm sitting next to him. No, no, no. He's been he's been saying that all summer. <laughs> I know. I'm just teasing. You know, him. I give you a hard time about not being here, and Brad defends you with some excuse about something. So, just <laughs> it was. One in in one ear, out the other, pretty much all summer long. I'm like, yeah, she's just done, isn't she? All she's gonna do is just put out the picture every week, and not show up anymore. <laughs> Even though you're the only one with fans, nobody else cares about me and Brad. They only care about where you are. This is true. That's what we're seeing with the uh, emails and so on and so forth. I'm right here. I was just working or tired. YouTube podcast way too late at night. So speaking of speaking of working, I kind of got an announcement to make that, um, well, for anybody that didn't know, I bought a bait company back in March, about the same time you guys bought Rabbit Squirrels, and we're finally getting something done with that company. For anybody that cares, I bought the Squirko brand from Monster Lures. I told, Carrie asked me why I did it. I said, because I'm not very smart, obviously. And I said mostly it's because there's a squircle on the logo of the of the Team Rhino Outdoors logo, so it's easier for me just to buy the company than it is to change the logo. <laughs> That's really what I told you, isn't it, Carrie? It is exactly what you told me. You didn't want to change your logo, so you bought the base company, so no one else could have it. That's right, exactly. Plus, back in the day when Bill owned the company, I used to go over and help him paint tails and assemble baits and work at shows. So there was that too. But so anybody that wants to know, we didn't we didn't buy the Monster Lures brand. We bought the Squirko brand and all the molds and everything that goes with it. The new company name that we decided on was Knockout Musky Baits. You know, Squirko with the KO Knockout KO makes sense, right? Kinda. So anyways, we have an Instagram page, Knockout Musky Baits. You can go to Facebook, check out Knockout Musky Baits. And we, you know, so we, we right now we have finally have some stock on the Squircle XLs, the regulars, the babies. We're going to do some show colors, kind of revitalize the Squircle brand. This summer we shot some how to, ba- how to work a baby video or baby Squircle video. We shot the how to work the regular videos with Jeff Hansen because he's been championing the brand for a long time. So he's helping me out with that a little bit too. But if you want to email us too, I think we have an email. I think it's um, knockoutmuskybaits at gmail.com, I believe. Anyways, you're going to be able to get them on our website, Team Rhino Outdoors. We'll have a bunch of stuff. We'll have some stuff at our booth at the shows. So I guess that's kind of exciting news, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's a great it's a great bait, number one. Um, and I'm glad that you... Uh, that you ended up with it because, you know, Billy has been a long time friend of mine. His life has gotten hectic enough where he's chosen not to be a bait builder anymore. And good for him. I mean, I, 
he uh, he has a young family, and for him to be able to spend time fishing and time with his family, it made sense. So, you know, we ended up with the rabbit squirrels, great uh, a great smaller bucktail that um, has been utilized for years by many, many people. Probably underutilized in my boat. Um, this summer, though, we, we scored a ton of fish on it. So I can't complain about that at all. Shameless plug here. If somebody wants to watch a video of me catching a fish on a rabid squirrel, you can check out our YouTube video from this week. It's called River Musky Hunter 2, whatever it is. It's got me holding a nice muskie. That was the biggest of our trip, came on a rabid squirrel. We worked through an area, quick quick story. You can check the video out and you can watch all, get all this. But I moved, to, I had a fish come up, almost eat the rabbit squirrel. It's like a 35, 36, 37. Wasn't a huge fish. Steve's working the same area. He has one come up and misses Hellhound. Again, smaller fish. We thought it was the same. So the guy we were with, Noah Binsfield, get the net guide service, tells me, he's like, just cast over there and just burn that thing back. It was like three or four or five cranks, whatever it was, burning it. And that fish just came unglued, and we were all just like kind of dropped uh, dropped our jaws a little bit because that wasn't anywhere close to the size of the fish that we had seen. So there was obviously a pack of muskies working this spot. So check it out on YouTube. It's pretty cool. Those baits work. They've worked for a long time. I liked them when Bill owned them. I like them now when you guys own them. Like you said, it's weird because, not to discredit the bait, but when you look at it in the water... It doesn't look like anything real special, but there's something about those baits that muskies just like them. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, one of the things that we also started playing with, can I tell everybody this, Carrie? Sure. So for the show season this coming year, we made a flashaboo squirrel. And uh, what's the name, Carrie? Rabbit girl. It's going to be the rabbit girl. Basically, a non-squirrel tail <laughs> squirrel, if you will. <laughs> it's flashaboo. Um, I don't know how, how else to explain it, but it was incredible. We caught a lot of fish on them this year, and I, I know that I have some on film. I'll have to play with that and see if we can't get something out on social media at, at minimum. Um, but definitely something to check out. I don't even, You haven't even seen one, have you, Jeff? I haven't. I heard about it briefly because I was kind of let in on that secret a little bit. Not, I'm not, I haven't seen one. No, I'm not that special. <laughs> well, I wouldn't think it. I wouldn't say it's that, but it definitely will have a time in its place. I don't know. It'll be exciting to see uh, at the shows this year how people, re- you know, receive it. So, it uh, basically what you can imagine a normal rabbit squirrel looks like with flash booth versus the hair. Well, I'll have a reason to come over and check out your booth. <laughs> no doubt, I'll come over and get myself some rabbit girls. Yeah, and I, you know, we haven't really decided if it'll be part of the, the normal line, but uh, I don't know. We'll see what people think, and then we'll make some decisions from there. Mm-hmm. On top of that, I think I'm going to come over to your booth and get a, Carrie showed me some new sweatshirts and t-shirts you guys are going to have too. That'll be cool. Yeah, you know, that's one thing. I mean, every year we try to revamp, revamp some of our clothing. Definitely very happy that our customers love that clothing and uh there's tons of people out there wearing it we truly appreciate that so yeah i mean every year we always try to revamp keep kind of a new inventory or a new look if you will Mm -hmm. i understand how you i understand why you do that i do the same thing we're working on some new stuff as well in fact i have some new stuff here somebody looking for a carhartt looking 
colored sweatshirt with a TRO logo, logo on it. I have them. You can't buy them online probably, and you probably won't be able to before this comes out because somebody's got to put them online, online and it's not going to be me. <laughs> well, it will be me. It just will not be before this podcast comes out because for anybody that cares, it's like Sunday night, the 3rd, I think, of November, and this comes out in like, I don't know, three days. So it won't happen between now and then. But we got that. I got some long sleeve or I got some hooded t-shirts. We've never done hooded t-shirts before. We're working on a couple new hooded sweatshirt designs for shows and we should hopefully have some stocking hats. I think I showed Carrie or sent told Carrie about that too. We got a pile of those yep. coming. I think they'll be here this week. Probably not before the podcast, but soon. So it's kind of an update on TRO and kind of an update on Muskie Mayhem Tackle. Yeah, there'll probably be more um, before the show season. Obviously, we uh, it's that time of the year we're working on it. It's kind of hard to hard to believe that uh, summer's almost over. You know, summer be. is over. Wow, summer is totally over. Fall is almost over. <laughs> it, it's totally over. I, I, what I meant to say is the musky season is almost over. It's winter here, Rob. Yeah, it pretty much is winter already. Unfortunately. If I was going to put odds on whether or not I'll get back in a boat this year and chase muskies, I would put my odds are probably less. There's less of a chance that I'll chase them this year again than that I won't. Because if anybody looks at the long-range forecast, I'm not quite northern Wisconsin, but I'm central Wisconsin, and you guys are in Minnesota. And I think there's a stretch at the end of this at the end of this week where we're not supposed to get above freezing for whatever 64 hours at least. Yeah, lakes are already borderline close to freezing as it is and it's pretty much going to end our season i think yeah i was on the phone earlier with rob manthai he figured he had three more days it's going to be locked up where he's at so yeah i don't know man it, it's hard to believe this early you know yeah it's harder to believe that we're at i don't know i i skate as a kid on thanksgiving on the lake there's truth to that Terry. there's no doubt i, I remember ice fishing uh thanksgiving day so you know, it, it's maybe we're kind of trending back to uh, the late 80s, early 90s. I don't know. It's just kind of strange. It's hard to say what's going to happen because I don't, the same similar thing kind of happened last year, too. We got cold early. I know there was guys that were ice fishing by deer hunting in, you know, here. But then I remember being, you know, I had to rough a house in for my electrical job in early part of January and I did all the outside light stuff in. A sweatshirt and it was probably i could have gotten i might have even gotten down to my long sleeve t-shirt and that was early january but then like of course in typical fashion as soon as we started shows that changed everything got cold and snowy i think we had sh- snow at every single show that we were at i hope we can avoid that this year yeah i you know it seems like it never ends once the show season comes around and we're traveling up and down the road you're always dealing with snow and ice one direction or the other you know, it, maybe it's on the way there, maybe it's on the way home. It never seems to fail. It's always a, a brutal ride one direction or another. Absolutely. Well, Brad, what do you think? Should we give Duff a call? Our guest tonight's going to be Duff Theory from Supernatural Big Baits. Should we give him a call and see what he's got going on in Supernatural world? Definitely. I mean, as the season's kind of buttoning up, it's trolling time for a lot of guys. So hopefully he can uh, throw some cool stuff at us. Well, it was good to catch up with you guys on that part. I'll get Duff on the line. We'll talk to him. All right. Sounds good. All right. So we got Duff Theory from Supernatural Big Baits on the line. 
Uh, Brad and I talked previously about a couple things as far as it's been a little while since we had podcasted, so we wanted to break that down, but we wanted to get a guest into you guys tonight. And again, we have Duff Theory with Supernatural Big Baits, the creator of the Headlock and the Matlock. So Duff, typically when we get a guy on the podcast, we kind of look at uh, a background story. Maybe in your instance, what made you decide you were going to create the bait that you created? Because much like Carrie and Brad have had to deal with knockoffs, your bait seems to be the most popular one that everybody wants to emulate these days. And you were pretty much the originator of that. And your baits still have a very big place in a lot of tackle boxes, especially at this time of year. So why don't you kind of give us maybe the history of Supernatural a little bit, maybe an abbreviated history. We don't need all the details, but see what, see what you can do with that. Well, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll start at the beginning. Uh, 1999, uh, my wife's brother-in-law, North Carolina, called and said, uh, I'm going to do a, an impression here, too. His name's Todd. And he said, I want to catch me a muskie. And he, him and his wife, they came up to Minnesota, and they wanted me to arrange a trip. And, and uh, I've never fished muskies before, before uh, 1999. And uh, we hired a, a guide on Wisconsin near a cabin that we were staying at. And uh, uh, I caught two muskies that day, and after that, I was hooked. So uh i was a, i was a furniture maker for 31 years and uh always made my own things i was, went to design school and i just like making my own my own stuff rods and i was a walleye fisherman a bass fisherman for a while you know weekend warrior type guy but uh and i started musky fishing and i thought you know i think i can design uh um, a crank, a crankbait. I think there's some room in the world for, for something that I can design and not make a, you know, a knockoff or another thing. I was inspired by a Jake and a grandma, but I thought it'd improve the action and things that I wanted it and, and to do more than, uh, what those were. So I think I, you know, I, I got to give credit to a Jake and a grandma because I fished with those things before before I designed mine, but I had to understand how those things work to make the things that I wanted to fish with. And I wanted a bait that had a wandering action. And so I just, it took a couple years to get the design right and to be able to produce, to produce it. And then made a few for friends and, and, uh, just got them into really the right, the right hands. And, they did well they caught fish and people they just kept asking for you know can i have another one can i have another one and then it got into you know some store uh store buyers and under their nose and just one thing led to another one 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 shop led to another shop to another shop to another shop and we've kind of grown and grown it to where it's at now where we're making around 3,000 lures a year and and uh it's working out real well for us so that's uh that's kind of the abbreviated version of uh from 1999 to right now so so as carrie and i both know you know it's a wild trip um (laughs) 
when you first start doing that kind of mass production like you're talking about there's a uh, tons of challenges and that's for sure and and one of the neat things about your process i mean i would say your process is way more demanding than Perry and I's. how do you uh how do you deal with that on a daily basis we we just have a list of steps that we have to go through like probably what you do as well i, I probably can't write it all down on one piece of paper but um, it's just repetition, and we're looking for a real consistent product. I guess one thing that I've learned is that, and to be a good designer or a manufacturer, to give people what they want, you have to listen. You got to people come and tell you what what they want and what they're looking for. I've had just I had some guides that told me exactly what they're looking for and there it's kind of in a broad way but one guide was i want your baits to be consistent i want them when i put it on i want to know exactly how deep it is you know how, how deep it's going to run at a certain speed and how much line out and they want a very specific thing and with a wood bait it's very very hard to do it just the density of wood uh the weight just the natural tendencies of wood where you might have grain that's tighter on the back or on one side of the base they're just going to run individually different than every other uh, bait you, know, you, you could have two that weigh the same but they're not going to run identical uh, but but it, it was important for this guy to tell me that he needs that otherwise he can't run he can't run my baits i try i tried to take that at heart but i just can't accommodate that consistency that he's looking for if you know if you want if you want to run it uh you know if you want six baits that run exactly the same you know i you're going to have to go to a maybe a plastic injected bait but a, a wood bait i can't uh i can't promise that kind of act that kind of accuracy and i think that's one of the things that is unique about the baits i make wood baits and in general and people like to say there's a little bit of magic in, in wood dates, and I have to tend to agree with that. I don't know if it's magic, but there's a uniqueness about a, a you know a wood body date. There's some things that are different about them that you got to take care of them a little bit different than a than a plastic date. You know, wood expands and it contracts to to heat and cold, and especially if it's in a short amount of time. You just have to be really delicate with the baits when it's real hot and when it's real cold. When it's real cold out and you have them in your truck and you're going to your fishing spot and you take them out of the truck and you put them on first thing, they might be sitting on the dash and it might be 85 degrees on the dash right now. And then you put them in the water and it's, it's you know, it's under 40 degrees. It's over a 40 degree temperature drop in there and that epoxy just can't move that that. I would say keep them in the boat overnight or in the back of the truck where it's going to be cold. Don't get them hot. And then the same way for and for summer, if it's on the boat, the boat deck, and it's 90 degrees outside, and it's two o'clock in the afternoon, and it's on your dark carpeted boat. It, you know, it might be 100 degrees on the on the carpet, and you put it 20 feet down. Uh, it might be 65 degrees, and in the water and 20 feet down and that's a shock to that epoxy and it just can't move that fast 
for that temperature change. So um, I just have to warn people, uh, you know, you can't treat it like a, like a plastic, like a plastic bait there. We do our best to get the moisture out and we seal them and, and five coats of epoxy and we occasionally get, get, get a return and I try to cheerfully uh, explain it, how it works. Some we replace and and some don't always get returned. So, but that's, that's how that kind of starts. We do have a lot of stuff that we go, that we go through and uh, it's uh, more for our process to make a quality a product. We know that's a lot of money and on and on these baits and they expect a lot and out of them uh, we do our our uh our diligence and on and on them so they can catch fish but uh you definitely have to take care of the baits as well so but i think there's something special i mean you said magic there's definitely something special when you get that right wood bait they do make magic you know what i mean and uh we actually got to see a little bit of that magic last weekend actually duff we did we we, we we were out on one of your local lakes and it was just a real nice weekend and to be out and we had your your wife and 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 daughter Mika and Matt and Seaford and his two boys they got to catch their first muskie they tagged they tag teamed really nice fish when it came when it came in and I was with my son so we had eight people in the boat. Eight people on a boat seems like a lot, but uh, it was. I just had a blast, and oh. have everybody got along, and and we just had a great afternoon and on the water, and the fish cooperated too. We had two bites, we had two fish hit the net. Uh, it was just a really memorable afternoon that we had. So, for sure, it's always a good time. Yep. I've had the opportunity to fish with you a few times now, Doc, and I, I enjoy every time. Speaking of that, how how much time do you get to fish? I mean, manufacturing baits, you know, it, it takes a ton of time. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the manufacturers don't always get as much time on the water as they might want, you know? I, you know, I, and I get my share of time on the water. I, you know, I always wish I had more, but, uh, the priorities in life that are the kind of you got to put put first and i've got a wonderful wife that travels a lot and i've got a a, a nine a nine a nine-year-old boy that i have to take care of when uh when she's not in town and i can't always get away like a lot of people can but i'm really okay with that because uh you know being a being a good dad to my boy and uh and taking care of the family when my wife's not not here is important man to me so uh those those things have to come first and then fishing and and the and the business is uh is is behind those that number one thing i have in a family and being being responsible so that's really cool so this time of year what's your go-to this time of year late season water temps are significantly dropping if they're if you're up here anyway. I gauge it all on what my personal experience is. Like the first bait I started to make was a headlock and we used it the beginning of the year, the middle of the year and at the end of the year. That's the only bait that I had and it's the only bait that I fished with and we caught fish from opening day to ice up and 
a guide friend of mine said, you know, I need a bait that starts to wander at a lower speed than a headlock. Can you make a, can you make me a bait that can do, can do that? I said, well, where does it have to start for you? And he said, well, I want it to work at two miles an hour. And I said, oh, well, I don't even think my boat can go two miles an hour, but I'll try. And he was good. He was a good friend, and I tried it, and uh, uh, I got him to start at about two point two miles an hour. And what I did is I made him a little thicker than a headlock, and had to play with the lip and the weighting a lot. But they finally got it, and they started about two point two miles an hour. So he wanted a cold water bay. That's where the matlock started out. His name was Kevin Dickinson. Uh, he died of cancer. He was a Vietnam dad and a real good friend of mine. Had a bait, and I had to have a name a name on it. And uh, Matt Seifert uh, really enjoyed the baits, and we were trying to come up with a name for it. And uh, and I said, if you can catch, if you can catch two fish over fifty inches in the next month on that, we'll call them a matlock. And I gave him a couple baits, and he called me a couple days later and he said I got a 50 on him and on the, the mat on the matlock he already called him Matt matlock then and uh, the next the next day he called me and said yeah we got two more over 50 on the matlocks so uh that that was a done deal I think he ended up catching seven fish and three weeks over over 50 inches on the water that he was fishing and uh to honor my word, I said, "All right, they'll be called matlocks, and from now, from now on." So, except for the one that Brad has, that's called a Bradlock. That's a Bradlock. Well, that was custom made, and that was that was more of a novelty name for for Brad. <laughs> There's not going to be any more Bradlocks. It's the same as a as a matlock, but yeah, it's a one of a kind. That was just trying to get on Brad's good side, so we uh, <laughs> it worked. We yeah we. We uh, we we try to please when it, where wherever we can. So, also have to mention I I've got a, a a great bunch of people that I work with. Mark Westland is a full time employee, and I got a couple part time folks work for me, and uh, they don't get the credit that they do. But we 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 work hard to make a quality product. Everyone knows their 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 role uh i think everyone's happy and so far making the products that we do so i couldn't i we we couldn't make the base that we make without the knowledge and the help we have from all the expert uh, people that uh that come in the shop and help produce these things so i have to say thank you to all those those folks that are here to help out and if you if uh somebody wants to work in St. Paul, uh, I could always use a little more help. So <laughs> we'll, find, we'll find a place out for you. When, uh, when I get kicked to the curb, when Carrie sends me down the road, Doc, yeah, maybe I'll swing in there. Okay, well, it's probably going to be the other way around. It, it, it's uh, it's it's Carrie's going to come down. I'll probably hire Carrie out from underneath of you if she can <laughs> work for me. There won't be any more musky mayhem tackle at that point. <laughs> so you said you made the, the headlock came first, obviously. Is that still your favorite bait then? Is that your go-to? Oh, and you're right. Yeah, I didn't answer your 
and your question there. I, I apologize. Uh, uh, right now, when the water's less than 44 degrees, I, I have a, a 10 or a 12-inch headlock out 95% of the time. And uh, it's always produced, and for me, the people that I kind of got started with and using headlocks, the guides and the close friends, uh, they just and produce, and to get away from that, I haven't found anything that uh, I'd rather fish with. It's di it's different in the beginning of the year, though. I like to use handlocks at the beginning of the year. They're more aggressive. They wander more. Uh, they got more uh, more wobble. Our season starts uh, about the, the beginning of June, and uh, it seems like the fish are more aggressive, and they'll chase those mat those matlocks down. Uh, the headlocks and the madlocks, they both wander a lot more than than uh, more of the production baits. But um, um, it's it's I think it's the I think it's the the wiggle that they just don't want as much of the wiggle right now in the cold in the cold water. And uh, the right here in the Minnesota water that I fish at the end at the end end of the year, uh, it's definitely a, head, a headlock bite. That's different than say, like St. Clair right right now. I think I got uh, five fish in pro probably the low forty pound range, and they were all caught on matlocks. But they use mat matlocks from opening day to ice up there. They're not really keen on the headlocks yet. They prefer the matlocks there. And I don't know if they, you know, can't catch fish on a head on a headlock. I would say that's not true. But you know, the if you're going to catch the majority of the fish if you're using matlocks, you're going to catch the majority of your fish on matlocks, and then they produce out there. So I, I'm going to guess that they have them on most most of the time, and that's where their success is. So. You know, one of the one of the things that I learned from Seaford is in the spring as well, though, you know, when the bite's a little bit off, a lot of times if that headlock is behind some of those matlocks, um, I'm talking open water trolling, that headlock will sometimes produce a fish that maybe wouldn't have eaten the aggressive bait. And so, I mean, there's uses from both. And I would encourage everybody to, you know, explore and and try a bunch of different baits at, at one time you know and it's, it's tough in minnesota only having one line not uh, when you have four kids in the boat though yeah when you get when you get the kids in the boat and a bunch of people it works out but but uh you know for the normal guy maybe it's two or three guys in the boat enjoying fishing experiment use some of those baits use the headlocks use the the matlocks and mix it up and see what those fish are doing let, you know, one of the baits that you didn't talk about is the lip lock. And when would you normally use that, Doug? We use that for like 50-degree water and less, you know, till ice up. But I use that mostly as a uh, prop, prop wash bait. Uh, there, there is some instances where I'd use them in, in the summertime, but it's a night, night trolling bait. That's where I use them at trolling at night on uh, like lake trout water uh, where we'll go out at night where there's bug hatches 
where there's uh, real clear water. Uh, it doesn't really matter uh, how, how I guess how clear how clear the water is. Uh, this what the content of the water is, and we're looking for for bugs. The uh, the the bait, the night shiners will eat the bugs, and behind those are lake trout. And what are eating the lake trout are the fish that we're after is the trophy type muskies. So that's where the profile of like a lake, a lake trout kind of matches. Uh, like a six pound lake trout is where I'll fish a lip lock, and there's instances where we'll have three lip locks out. Midsummer night fishing, clear, clear water is where I use those. And then uh, late fall. Uh, close, close to the boat. First, first bait through. It might not be the fish might not eat the first bait through, but then there's going to be a mat mat lock behind the lip, lip lock, and if you have four people in the boat, there'll be a headlock that'll be the last bait through. And hopefully, if there's a hungry fish, fish there. And it passes on the lip lock and the mat lock that the head lock will pick up the fish. So yeah, I kind of vary it a little bit where my my, uh, my spread's a little different than most people. They might put a one of my products out and then you know some other good products that that are made that are in their tackle box. But I, I don't really spread it, and I don't spread it. I use the base that I. That, that I make, and uh, uh, I don't really change very much. And from that, I I can't say that I don't fish other people's bait, but it's uh, it's very rare that I do. So I have confidence in the bait that I make. As you should, Doc. I mean, they produce giant fish year after year. So I mean, that, that's the impressive part. And it doesn't matter, you know. It can be early spring, late fall, all the way through the whole season. So. It's, it's incredible what you've accomplished. Thanks. Uh, George George Wall, when he was alive, I was at one of my first shows, and he said, well, you're new here to the show. I said, yeah. And he said, well, you know, welcome to the to the Muskie show here, and welcome to the business, but let me give you a little bit of advice. Don't ever let anybody ever catch a fishing with somebody else's bait because they're going to talk about it. And that's one thing that I always remembered that uh, some advice from George is that, uh, you know, I can fish other people's baits if I want to, but just don't let anybody see me or catch me. So <laughs> well, he was I, a character. I thought that was, that was George too. He never I don't fished know anything ever. but an fish. And I'm guessing he lived by that motto too, or, that uh that mantra that uh he threw eagle tails and and if he didn't throw me probably trolled him maybe put something else on if there's no one else on out on the lake or people he liked or trusted in in his boat so uh it and it happens so there's guys that i fish with who who uh who want to want to fish with something else other than what I brought or what they, you know, well, I'm not going to put what you have out. So they fish for a little bit in, in, uh, in my boat with their baits. And I work my way back to the bullet launch and I drop them off. And, and then, uh, when I'm done fishing, I'll, I'll pick them up or maybe they found their way home. So that's the way it works for me. <laughs> 
That's not the way it works for me. No. No, I end up fishing forever. I caught my only fish this year. I caught my first fish casting in uh, 10 years for sure on a pacemaker. Not oh, yeah. even on on a, a mayhem bait. So but that's what they're eating. So yeah, well, got to do what you got to do. And I and I like to cast too, but there has to be a certain situation. And there is a thing about using nice baits and and quality baits. I like a pacemaker as well. I throw uh, I throw I throw Marty mayhem stuff when I have a blade. Blade, blade, blade bait. I have confidence in those, and there's some rubber baits that I throw too. They're not typically what everyone else uses, but uh, uh, they produce estimates when I do cast. So, and I think I'm a pretty good caster. You know, I've had success casting in the past, and somehow I just got away from casting as much as I do. And I, I have to blame George Wall for that because it's it's his fault. He said I. Don't let anybody catch you throwing anybody else's bait. So mm-hmm. talk bad about him, but I'm he kind of kind of slotted me into being a controller, and now that's really about all I do about ninety percent of the time. So not to interrupt you, Duff, but you know, being on the topic of trolling, it, it's really strange to me. It seems like there's a lot of people out there right now that do not want to troll. It, they feel that it's not as technical or they feel that there's not um, a learning curve or whatever. It, I think it's way more technical. It is actually technical. And, and there's some neat things about trolling that I think get overlooked. And maybe I'm wrong. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that if you can learn all the different things that you need to learn in the trolling game, it's never ending, basically, is what I guess I'm saying. I just feel like it's underutilized in the sport. Would you agree with that? Or I guess I want to agree with with you, but I don't think that it. I think you're. I think you're right. I think there's people who a who just don't. They don't want to troll, and that's okay with me, because there's you know more trolling fish. For me to catch and my clients to catch if they don't want to throw if they just want to cast or they want to bait fish that's fine it's the open-minded folks that we want to appeal to i think there's enough of it there for, for for and for me and for the bait makers who make a tro- make a trolling bait i just think if if you want to be a complete fisherman you be able to do you got to be able to do it all you got to be able to cast and you got to be able to troll and you know there's you know there's more of a hybrid type of fishing now i i just i just think that just right now there's if we can open people's minds up to different ways to catch fish there's going to be more ways to fish than we can ever imagine i like to uh, I I like the jigging thing too. It's, 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 I haven't I've done a little bit of it, but it's just the open mindedness of like it's the same thing as as a trolling technique. Is you gotta you gotta want to try it. You gotta give it its time, and you gotta use and the products you think are you're going to be su- successful with. And uh, I I just think there's more 
techniques out there that are going to be generated just by being open-minded about catching fish and that's where the enjoyment is for me is is you know working on ways techniques to try to catch fish it might be small you know minute changes it might be you know adding a big rubber tail or jointed bait or something skinny or something fat and it's just changing stuff up and i it's just making people experiment a lot more and Using your brain, I think, is the main is the main thing. Trying to figure stuff out, trying stuff out. And I know not everyone's a builder, and everyone can't can't put uh, put things together and fab- and fabricate things. My brother is one of the guys that I kind of use in a, as an example of that, and I kind of kid him about it. But it's you know, I, if I show him show him like. The president wrench and a hammer, and I say, you know, which one's the screw, the screw, the screwdriver? He'll point to my left hand, but he, you know, he's just, he just doesn't have the, the, he just, he's not made like that, you know, he just can't use his hands and stuff like that. So he relies on, on, uh, on, on folks to help him through those kind of situations he's not going to invent a bait or build a bait or anything like like that but he's open-minded and he'll try stuff out and uh i think that's how we get along so it works out so duff i got a question for you i'll jump in here i'm done doing some research and sending some orders so one thing i think there's a lot of questions about is depth curve on your baits do you kind of have an idea or a general idea of what we have for a depth curve or a dive curve on your baits I know some guys are running front pins, some guys are running middle pins, some guys run the farthest one back. Typically, what do you like to do, and do you kind of have a, a general rule of thumb for di- how deep these baits dive? Yeah, we've got a, we've got a general rule where it applies for both the matlock and the headlocks and kind of the sweet spot. So, uh, it's a three-to-one dive curve in the middle hole at three-and-a-half miles an hour. 30 feet back, we'll get to 10 feet down at three and a half miles an hour. But the way we got a lot of variables. We've got, you know, we got the St. Clair guys are running mono for the most for the most part. The Minnesota, Wisconsin guys, and the Canada ain't and anglers are running mostly braid. So you're going to have different dive curves there. But as a general rule, three to one, three and a half miles miles an hour. Uh, that'll get you really close to where where the bait's going to be at. I kind of like always using the front hole when I first made them. I had the most action there. Out out of the bait, my catch rates were high. I got more more fish on the front on the front hole, and then some guides and some just the general people we sell we sell to. They always come in the middle hole. Everyone kind of leaves leaves them in the middle hole. I got a lot of feedback that said, you know, middle hole is where it's at, and that's where we generated the dive curve from. And if you move them up, you get a little bit less depth. Most people are using them in the middle hole, and a three to one ratio at three and a half miles an hour will get you where you want to be. So, another way to do it too is we we're a big proponents of uh, of planer boards, whether it's a TX forty four. Or if you're running a mass system, to use the planer board as depth control. 
Uh, we did that a couple weeks ago with Brad and Matt. And I think we had we had the one bait that we had out that uh, Matt 12 feet behind the board in 70 feet of water. So that bait was going about four feet down at three and a half miles an hour. And then about 20 minutes later, we got another fish was 50 feet behind a board. And that one we figured was uh, 16, 16 or 17 feet down. So within 20 minutes, we had two bites, two fish in the net. Uh, one was four, four feet below the surface, and the other one hit 16 to 17 feet down. So that's quite a range. I, but uh, when you have eight, eight people in the boat, you can really spread stuff out and get those active fish that are going to eat. So that's the that's the beauty of having you know more than just a handful of folks in the boat. So is there some rumor to it that if you bring, is it if in the middle pin, does that kind of give it? A little just a little less action i thought i heard somebody say like if you move it up to the front pin like the matlocks will wander more is that is that true or not yeah yeah that that's true the center of gravity for that for the lift when you move that up it's higher or it's more in front it's in more in front of the bait so it doesn't dig as deep it wobbles more it wanders more and that's intentional i just didn't want people to take the the bait off. I wanted a, a a shallower running bait, and then if you move it to the middle hole, it runs a little bit deeper. In the back hole, it runs even deeper, but you lose a little bit of the action. But if you're running it in and out of the prop wash, you know you're not really losing any action. You you still have a lot of movement on the wander. You lose a little bit of the wiggle, but you're still you're still getting the the movement that fish react to so that that is true the the closer to the end of the lip lip pin is in the more action it's gonna check out for the baits uh let's see what other kind of tips that i've got this year people have been adding these uh rubber tails on the back back of mine and the one they started out with a sports doctor one but I don't think they're no they're no longer made or sold. And they think they had them in two different sizes, and they used the bigger size. Uh, now I'm using a monster tail made by I guess Monster Bait Company or whoever makes monster baits. They make a real nice tail. I bought a, probably a couple dozen of them. They think they sell them in three or four different colors. Uh, this time of year for and patrolling, we have uh, we'll at least off one one bait out there that's going to have a real long rubber tail on it. A guy friend of mine, Matt, used to cut the pound the pounder tails off and use that on the back of a headlock or a matlock on the back hook and had real good results. Shared that with, uh, so I'd like to pass that along. That's what people are doing, being, being success, successful with. I'm not trying to steer anybody to buy tails if they don't want to buy them, but if, we're, if you're looking for an edge or you know, something a little bit different than everyone else's using. You have to set yourself apart from the rest of the crowd, and uh, sometimes those are the ones that uh, that get bit. So, there's no doubt about that, Duff. And I think you know one of the things that you can do on a crankbait um, and tone down some of that wiggle is definitely by adding grub worms or a tail on that bait. It'll it'll take away a little bit of that action, especially when it's colder water. So. Definitely something to think about. Yep, yep. It 
and it helps. And it's, it's it, you know, if, if a fish might eat a bait with a rubber tail or not a rubber tail, but if the angler has confidence that that looks really good and that's what's going to be offered, sometimes that's all you really need is the is the angler has to have a little bit extra confidence in in, in the bait, and that is, sometimes is what all that it takes is just the how the angler feels about the presentation, and that's that's why I say just kind of think outside the box and sometimes so experiment use your brain and then uh you know tr- just try and implement some of the ideas that you have if you can experiment you've got more than one or two guys in the boat you you can do that you have the opportunity to do it you might as well do it so, i would agree i think people get set in their in their ways there's times when fish want to see something different and that uniqueness by trial and error definitely uh puts more fish in the boat if you got the the opportunity or the drive to go out there and experiment well, there's, there's times, too, when you need a combination of baits to get them to eat. You need you need the matlock to go through first and let them eat the headlock behind there. You know, the different action, the different wobble, the different noise, whatever. Sometimes you need the, to break up the monotony for them. Yeah, they're not seeing the exact same thing, same color, same everything through there. Right. Uh, going, going right through. And the other thing is if you're, if you catch a fish on a like a, a tail that you've added to a bait and your buddies don't have one in and you catch one fish, you might catch two fish, you might catch three fish, and they don't have one, there's not, not a damn thing they can do about it. You know, <laughs> they bring any. You, you might catch all the fish that day, and you can be sure that they're going to be ordering a tail or two or three when they get the opportunity. And they won't be left without a tail uh, the next time they go. So it's just being prepared. If you drive uh, 90 miles to go to go to a lake, you better be prepared to fish on it. Because you, when you when you're out on the lake, you can't go back in and go buy that one thing you, that your buddy just caught two or three fish on. So right, always be prepared. You know, the one thing we didn't bring up, Duff, is the headlock eight five. You want to talk a little bit about that guy? And when are we going to see a Matlock 8.5? Well, we're, we're making Matlock 8.5s now. The guides have them on St. Clair. Friends and guides of mine uh, in Minnesota, uh, they're, catching, they're catching fish on them. They're ready to go. Everything's ready to go on those. I'm not sure that I make them for, for retail stores yet. I'm still bogged down with the headlock. 10s and 12s and the matlock 10s and 12s just to keep up with the orders and uh, to get the retailers i try to get them to them within you know two or three weeks and if i can and i think the making the eight five is just going to bog everything down and i'm not going to be able to do it and uh and the the eight five two were in response to to some of the knockoff guys that are making eight inch baits and that uh you know, there's there's no love lost between me and them. And uh, you know, if I wanted to make an eight inch bait and and compete with them, then I can, and that's what I'm doing. So I'm competing with the with the knockoff guys who can't make a a ten or a twelve inch bait that'll catch fish. So so I'll meet them with the ones that they come out with that I don't have, and now I'm making those, and we're catching fish on them. So if you want to use the original one. 
slip and all that. I've got them, and, and they're catching fish. They're available at uh, at shows, and and uh, we make them for shows, and we'll make them for next season's shows as well. But I don't see them uh, as a retail item right now, unless you know if I get three or four more people that want to work then uh, we can probably and produce those but right but right now we're trying to keep up with the with the product that we have been making for the last 10 years so you know, I, if that ever starts to, to dwindle a little bit I can see where we'd make up time in the smaller base but uh that's I guess that's where the eight buys at they started out really really well I had a, a walleye guy that was going to lake of the woods that wanted a a walleye bait that did what a headlock did, and he said the ten inch headlock's a little too big for walleyes and up there. Could I make him a, a eight inch bait? I worked on it a little bit. He came up with stuff I really liked, and I sold him six of them. And I said they're going to be at the same price as a ten inch headlock. I put a lot of work into him. He said fine. And him and his two buddies went up to Lake Lake of the Woods, and they're going to go walleye fishing and he called me the Monday they got back and gave me the report on the headlocks and it was disappointing that he didn't get any walleye on the eight fives and I was kind of surprised by that I thought you know he I made a pretty good bait for him that met all the requirements that he had but he said we got uh we got 19 muskies and two and a half days on those eight five headlocks we put all the walleye stuff away and got out all the musky stuff so yeah, I think three fish over fifty. So that's where that started. Was the eight five was the was a walleye guy that wanted uh wanted a bait that did that did what a ten inch headlock did. So and out of that we played with the well, if we make an eight five headlock, we might as well make an eight five matlock. And then the St. Clair guys were in, were interested in those. So last or a couple springs ago, they got those and been catching fish on them and. Still catching fish on them now. I get pictures from those guys in every week that they're doing well on those. And so I, I guess they're re- they're ready to go. It's just I don't have time to make them you know, or the staff and and to make them. So at this point, it's just going to be a be a show item. And if you want to get get them, it's a great reason to come to to one of the great um, winter shows that we have to promote this sport. So. Not very good news for Jeff. No. <laughs> I think he sells uh he sells a eight inch knockoff base, so he he should be happy. He's got something there. <laughs> wow. What are these knockoffs you speak of? <laughs> There's a couple of different ones that out there that are that way. Yeah. Well you know, the sooner they go away, the sooner they, there might be Eight five on your shelf, so it's <laughs> good to know. <laughs> but you know, they and every year there's a new knockoff company or two or three, and then every year a couple or two or three they go away and they figure it's it's uh, you know it's a little more work than they planned on doing, and uh, it's a lot harder than they thought, and, and uh, they kind of go away, and then but then there's some. Other guys that start, so something I have to deal with, and not losing any sleep and over it. So we're we're and we're busy, and they want to make a go of it and, and live and live with their act with their actions. That's fine. I I I always tell everybody who asks me about it if uh, 
they asked me if I'm upset about it, and I said, I'm, I'm not that upset. Uh, yeah, Carrie and I don't know anything about knockoffs. No, I know you guys have got more than uh, more than what you guys can handle. But what do, I I like the attitude that you guys have about it is that uh, uh, you guys don't lose any sleep over it, and you give me good advice on how to deal with it. And I know it probably upsets you, just like just like a few other people. But um, you guys make a great product at a fair price and you've got a lot of loyal followers i know it's kind of hard to hear sometimes but uh you know you've got some really good clients and that's all they buy so no there's no doubt about it we appreciate all of our customers that's for sure there's something to be said about being the originator what you've done and accomplished stuff is definitely um something to be proud of and we are i can't i can't take all the credit for the you know the amount of Things that you know, I could I could never make three thousand days a year. I get wonderful, wonderful help and uh, quality people that I want to be around. That uh, I wouldn't want it any, any other way. Just probably like you guys as well. So uh, it's great to have uh, to work with you know with good people that help you make it. And and uh, like Jeff and some other shops that we work we work with. We only work with people we want to work with. So it's uh, it's 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 been. It's been a good, a good, good trip for us so far as well. At least I'm still on that list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff always asked me, you know, am I, am I, am I, am I in the top three of sales? I said, yeah, you're in the top three. He goes, am I the top sales? I said, yeah, Jeff, you're in the top three. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep Jeff pushing. Wants to be the number one seller of. Uh, Supernatural. He wants. I want to be the number one seller of all of them. So it's just, uh, I just keep telling them, yeah, you're in the top three. You make another order and I'll tell you right where you're at. You're in the top three. <laughs> <laughs> keep them coming back. Yeah, I'll keep, I'll keep buying stuff as long as it keeps selling. I'm glad your customers like them. We work real well together, I think. so. Yep. Yeah, we put out some cool colors together and we've definitely sold a pile of those baits. Hopefully... For many years to come, I've actually made about uh, eight baits in your colors and the eight five. So I've set them aside and they're earmarked for you. Nice. There's only one of each. Cool. So we'll see how you'll like them and if you want them. Oh, we oh we want them. <laughs> but uh, like I said, there's only one of each. I I didn't I didn't make very very many of them, but uh, uh, I thought well if I'm gonna get started on. I know, I know that you wanted some eight, some eight fives, and either you can give them to your pro staff guys, or you can raffle them off, or you tell them you can do whatever you want. I think we're gonna fish them. But we did, uh, we did, we did make, uh, we we made a bunch of uh, eight fives in your colors because I know real patient on uh, on uh, on waiting for them. You ask nice about them, and you don't uh, you don't demand stuff. But uh, I understand how it is. I know everybody's busy. I wanted you to know that I that I that I didn't forget about you. But as as soon as we can get rid of some of those other eight inch baits in a similar style, then uh, probably the sooner you're going to get those. So sounds good. All right, we'll look forward to that announcement. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That's what I love about you, Duff. <laughs> okay, that being said, so Duff, if somebody wants to get in touch with Supernatural Big Baits, what's the best way to do it? Uh, we've got a website, uh, supernaturalbigbaits.com. 
Uh, we've got a, we're on Facebook. We're not quite on Instagram, I guess yet, but we've got a Shopify account for custom work and standard best way to get hold of us is through the website or the email is supernaturalbigfaith at gmail.com. When you need help with Instagram, Carrie will help you out. She's an Instagram master. That would be Jeff. <laughs> I think I've got an account, but I don't use it. My uh, nephew kind of started it and said, you got to get on it. And then, uh, then he moved away on me and met a real nice woman and he doesn't talk to me much anymore or help me out as much as I'd like. But uh, he's, been, he's enjoying himself and I want to leave him alone. So Pretty soon your son should be able to figure it out if he can't already. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, uh, he's a little young yet. I think he's more interested in the, in the Legos and the Nerf and the Nerf guns now. But uh, uh, maybe at some point he'll surpass my limited capabilities and he'll, uh, he'll be able to earn his keep, I guess, by doing some kind of... <laughs> on getting pictures out and information and, you know, being a topic of conversation and every once in a while when things get, get dull. So there's no doubt, Doc. It's just, you know, it, there's so much goofiness out there in the social media <laughs> side too. Yeah. So I, I get disgusted with some of it, but ultimately what a great marketing tool is no doubt about it. Yeah. yeah that, that's for sure. I don't know if I've got anything uh, I want to... Oh, we've got some new stuff and coming out. We're, we're doing some foil baits. I think um, I've been making and the glitter baits for over 10 years now, and I don't get sick of looking at them. I think I have a feeling that, that our clients want something new, so uh, we're offering those. I think, Jeff, you've seen a few, seen a few of them, and... Uh, Yep. It's just something I think that, and for us, it's be a future thing that we're going to try to do more foil. We've got some great pictures of some giant fish being caught on them and this this year and so far. And it's just a little bit different than the glitter. It's a lot more flash in a plane, I guess, instead of a facet, like a piece of glitter is a facet, like a more of like a diamond kind of a shine. This is more of a in a plane, like a mirror, how a mirror reflects light. It's just something different that the fish are reacting to, and they're, they respond to foil, and I think it's just something else that we can have in our arsenal that we're going to offer to our clients, anglers, and in general. And I think it's just a little bit different than the glitter, and uh, I think it's just something to, that I'm looking forward to is offering, and I think I know the fish eat it now, and I just, I'm looking to see what the response is going to be in the future here as people start to use if there is a preference. I guess I want to start, boy, which one should I use, the glitter or the foil? Not that I want to confuse people. I just want to have a little bit more offering or choices for for folks. Some folks are just kind of, they just like paint. They don't want any glitter or any shot. They just want, you know, paint and epoxy. Some people are against the the reflectiveness of the finishes that we have. And some people are real attracted to the glitter and more people I think are being exposed to the foil or willing to give those a try as well. So I definitely, I definitely Duff, like the foil. I know you did me a couple of customs last winter and they were super effective this summer. So 
I, I like it a lot. I think that it calls fish from a little bit further away. The fish we got, I'm sorry to interrupt you, the fish we no. got, I don't think we even saw on the side images. They, they, they were out there kind of far. The boards were out there far. And we didn't at all. And they that is true. On there. So that's kind of nice that I don't know where they came from. They didn't be, they didn't come from the boat and get those baits. I think they came outside the boards and I would agree, I would agree with that. And ate those. I don't I don't know if they were not responding to the to the glitter, but there was they responded to the flash, I think, because that was the only thing I think that, that they that they could see to respond to. So and those were both foiled baits, weren't they? Yeah. The first one was. The second one, I think it was one of Jeff's baits. No, it was a standard one. That moose horn measles. Yep. Oh, yeah. I got a story for you here, Jeff. I had a guy, a guy return a 10-inch matlock, no, 10-inch headlock, moose horn. The um, ice screw got turned in the net, bent down. The guy caught a 54 and a half on Malax. A midsummer fish. He turned the ice screw to straighten it out, and the epoxy cracked where the ice screw was. And he fished it again, and there was maybe a quarter inch crack in there. And he says, "I don't have confidence that the that the bait is going to be the same. Can I return it?" And I said, "Is this the one you caught the fifty four on?" Yeah. And, he goes, and you don't want it. He goes, "Well, I would prefer a new one." Hmm. I said, "Okay." I gave him a new one, and I kept that one. That's the bait that uh, Brad and Terry's daughter uh, hooked a, just a really giant muskie on. I just thought it was an interesting story that some, you know, the ones that you you catch fish on, I think you should probably keep those and those baits. But again, you know, they don't have confidence in them and they want to return them and they got a giant on them. I'll gladly take every one of those baits, those baits back. You and me both, Duff. I agree yeah. with you 100%. We talked about it in the boat last weekend. Yeah. It's comical. It really is. It is pretty funny. We we try to make everybody as happy as we can, and they're satisfied with their purchase, but I couldn't give that guy a bait fast enough so I could get a hold of his. So there's, <laughs> there's, there's two fish on that on that bait, and uh, they're both well over 50 inches, and uh, I can't wait to use that bait out there again. So bring them on. Exactly. Well, next time you get an offer like that, send it my way. All right. Well, I can will you one, because uh, I'm probably not going to give them up, but <laughs> <laughs> my widow or my uh, or my son might, uh, might, might be able to hand those out a lot easier than I, than I can. You know, with Team team Reiner Outdoors, that it started on the basis of uh, custom colors. Maybe maybe you missed the boat here, Jeff. You could have just sold the used bait. Maybe, maybe we could expand. <laughs> it seems as though we don't have we don't have enough to do as it is. Right. No, I think I think you stick with what got you there, Jeff. Yeah, I think we're doing all right. Yeah, good, good. That's good to hear. Well, what are you looking forward to? You got some uh, new stuff that you're bringing out next year jeff or that you would like to see you know right here we got we got open mics you got any theories or new uh technology you you'd like to see uh well i was trying to get seifert to come up with a few colors in your stuff so that i can get those because that'd be cool i think anything with his name on it is like uh like a king type of effect well that's even better for both of us then right yeah he's uh I really trust what he what he says, and uh, he comes up with some some 
colors I kind of, well, I wouldn't have came up with that. But he's, he's on the water a lot more than most folks. And he sees and he understands things and he experiments. And I think that's one of the, the great things that you, when you hire a guide, you get stuff like that and at least and with him. You get experimentation and you get, you know, uh, imagination and, hey, let's try this. And he's real excited about, you know, about his job and putting fish in the boat and making sure everyone's happy. That's important to him. And uh, I, I think you're on the right, uh, the right, the right track if you got him in, in your stable of talent and over there. I would listen to what it's, whatever he says. Nothing I wouldn't try that he that he would bring. So. I would say that he's definitely a good one to have around, especially when it comes to, well, I guess it comes to everything. All things musky, he's got it pretty well figured out. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's, he's successful in whatever he does. I know he, he does a, he's done a lot of things in his life, and it, it just seems like the things he always does, he's always successful at. It's just what he, you know, what he wants, what he wants to accomplish. So we got. Uh, Lots of good things in the future. I'm sure to see from him. He's not done yet, so he's got a lot of uh, a lot of ideas he wants to try out. And well, Brad, what do you think? Should we put a put a wrap on this episode? I don't even know what episode number it is. Thirty-one. Thirty-one, probably. Thirty-one. Surprised we haven't been fired by now. Carrie says thirty-one. Thirty-one. She's right. She's right. always right. Unfortunately, I make the pictures. I know which number we're on. I know, that's why I said I don't normally know the episode until you tell me which one it is. And which which episode was was the Andy Page one? That might have been twenty. Fifteen ish, I'm guessing. I saw him in an airport. I was he was flying home and I was flying to Copenhagen and we were on the same airplane. And he said you you guys did a podcast or something and it was gonna be the like the number one podcast of the whole of the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> we did good with Andy. In fact, Andy Andy took notes from me after we had done podcasting, and I actually started listening to Andy's got his own podcast now. I saw that. I wish I could remember what the name of it was. Something Tales from the Bait Shop. Is that does that sound right? Anybody? Something, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's ta- Tales from the Bait Shop or something. I saw the cover of it, and I just skipped skipped past it because uh, I can barely understand him when I was. When I was in person with him, I'm not gonna. I know I'm not gonna. Says <laughs> on there uh, when they do the podcast. So he's a great guy. Um, I got to spend some time in the boat with him and in Seaford. Matt, he's one of Matt's great clients and just an all-around good, good solid guy. Good yeah, fisherman. Um, had a lot of fun with him. It's tales from the tackle shop. Tales from the tackle. there you go. Yep, I started listening to one the other day, but I think I wasn't very into podcasts last week, so I'll catch up on them pretty quick. He was walking through the airport, and he had a musky mayhem shirt on. He had his head down, and he was like mumbling, rambling on to himself. I go, God, what is with this guy? He's, he should be happy. He look, looks like he's a musky fisherman, but he's leaving town. I go, I got to see what this, guy, what, what this guy's problem is, you know. And then uh, he kind of turned he turned around, and I said, have we met before? He said, uh, oh, I know you. I go, well, who are you? He goes, uh, you're, you're Chris's brother. You're, you're that the brother, that famous guy up in Bemidji. 
so like my and my brother hosted him. I guess staying up and fishing in 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 Bemidji for I don't know four or five days where wherever they stopped and uh, he stayed at my brother's house. But he knows he fished with Matt. Knows me through uh, through my brother, I guess. So that was kind of cool. He didn't know me, but he knew my brother. He knew me through my brother. It's always good stuff. Well, guys, I think I'm getting ready to go to bed. All right. Well, thanks for the invite for having me along. I hope uh, you got some usable words in there. I hope we got a couple. And it sounds like I got to work on my on my audio a little bit, so I got to figure something out yet. We certainly appreciate you uh, coming out tonight and taking some time and telling us a little bit about your story and a little bit about your baits. Brad, do you want to talk briefly about Musky Mayhem Tackle, or you want to have Carrie do it? Since she's she's around tonight, might as well put her to work. Brad's going to do it. She she never wants, wants to take that spot. I don't know why. For Musky Mayhem Tackle, originator of the big-bladed flashy boo bait, you can reach us both at uh, muskymayhemtackle.com or you can check us out on Facebook or Instagram, Musky Mayhem Tackle. Perfect. And you're listening to Backlash Podcast. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram. You can email us, backlashpodcast at gmail.com. You can listen to Backlash Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn Radio, Overcast. I think that's all of them. And I'm Jeff, the owner of Team Rhino Outdoors. We sell a bunch of manufacturers in the muskie world, including Supernatural Big Baits. We probably have the largest selection of them. And you can check us out at TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. You can find us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Twitter. I think that's it. So once again, thanks everybody for coming out tonight, spending some time with us. We'll catch you all next week.